We like to celebrate communion together. So hopefully you have the elements as you are coming inside. This is the uh, signature worship team. Don't they do a great job? Amen. We need some we need some guy voices. All the guys that can say, Where are you? We need to step it up. Amen. Hallelujah. But our worship team is a great, great worship team. They tap into the heart of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, God is good, isn't he? How often is he good? All the time, every day. You know, God never wakes up with a bad hair day. And he never gets up on the wrong side of the bed. He's never grumpy. Amen. Amen. Well, I wanted to read a portion of scripture to you from John chapter 6. And we're going to start with verse uh, 26. Jesus had just uh, fed the multitude. And uh, they asked him how he got to where he was. And he said in verse 26, John 6, 26. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, You seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. You know, some people look to God for just their own satisfaction. They're not interested in the relationship or an intimacy with him. They just want what they want. And so Jesus says in verse 27, he says, Labor not for the meat which perishes. You know, there's so many things that you can invest your time in. Don't invest it in things that are going to die. But for that meat which endures unto everlasting life. Which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him has God the Father sealed. Then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? How many want to work the works of God? You don't have to. I want you to see how simple it is to work the works of God. Jesus answered and said unto them, You must go to school for 15 years. He said, you must be of a certain status. You must come from a certain place. You must look a certain way. No, he said none of that. He said, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. All you need to do to work the works of God is believe. How many believers have got in the house today? And then they said, therefore, unto him, what sign are you going to show us then? That we may see and believe. He said, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. 32. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. Didn't come from Moses. But my Father gives you the true bread. From heaven. Aren't you glad for the true bread? Yeah. If there's a true bread, there's a false bread. Mm-hmm. 
So for the bread of God is he, the bread is a person, which comes down from heaven and gives life into the world. We're about to take part of some loaded bread, life-giving bread, amen, uplifting bread, healing bread, saving bread. Then they said unto him, Lord, give us this bread. Who wouldn't want the bread from heaven? Amen? They said, give us this bread. Listen, how many desire the bread of God? Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life that comes down. I am the bread of life, and he that comes to me shall never hunger. Does that mean you're never going to want to eat food? No. It means that he's truly going to satisfy your entire being. And he that believes on me shall never thirst. Hallelujah. Jesus is the bread. And his bread had to be broken for us. You know, it's not really conducive to eat a whole loaf of bread all in one bite. Believe me, I've tried. And uh, you've got to break it into pieces in order to distribute it. And God's bread had to be broken so that our bodies could be fixed. And if you read the story, do you realize when Israel left Egypt, there wasn't one sickly among them? You're talking two to three million people. Not one sickly. Not one weak. Not one with infirmity. What happened? They partook of some bread. And that bread gave those slaves who were mistreated. They, I mean, Pharaoh didn't treat them kindly. Yeah, he might have gave them leeks and onions. But there was some harshness in their life. But once they ate that bread, they left Egypt strong. They left Egypt whole. Something happened by the time they ingested that bread to when they left. You know, the minute you take Christ into your heart, he begins to work in your life. So, get our communion elements ready this morning. And we're going to partake of this blessedness. It speaks of our deliverance, of our salvation. Amen. If you're sick in your body, you can be healed right now in this moment. You don't have to wait. Let's receive the power in this blood. Now, this, this is just a representative. Amen? Some groups believe that this actually becomes a body of Christ. No, it's, it's a representative. And, uh, hallelujah. So, Jesus, he, uh, he took the bread. And he broke it. And he gave thanks. And he said, take, eat. 
This is my body which is given to you. So let us eat of this gift. And then in like manner, he took the cup. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for you. Let us drink and partake of the new covenant. Hallelujah. Now you can rejoice in what God has done. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the holy name. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Say this with me. Say, Lord, I'm in covenant with you. Therefore, I have your strength. I have your hope. I have your health, I have your wealth, and I have your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So y'all doing good this morning? Yes. Really good? Yes. Glad to be here together? Yes. Hallelujah. We're glad that you're here too. Good to see your beautiful, handsome faces. Amen? I'm not sure where my microphone is, but my mouth. Oh. Okay. <laughs> but we're going to make our confession. How many know that this confession has worked? Yeah. Amen. Amen? No sickness or disease has come here. Amen? God has protected us. Amen. And we'll continue to do so. Because yeah. he's not slack and concerned his promise. So let's make our confession together. We make our dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. We remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty. We say of the Lord, He is our refuge and our fortress. He is our God. On Him we lean, rely, and in Him we confidently trust. He delivers us from the snare of the power and from deadly pestilence. He covers us with His pinions. And under his wings we trust and find refuge. His truth and faithfulness is our shield and buckler. We are not afraid of the terrors of the night, nor of the evil plots and slanders of the wicked. We are not afraid of the disease, destruction, or sudden death that stalks in darkness. Trouble will not come near us. The Lord is our refuge, our dwelling place, and the evil will befall us. Nor any calamity come near our home, our church, or wherever we are. God's angels accompany, defend, and preserve us in all our ways of obedience and service. We call upon God, and He will answer us. He will be with us in trouble. He will deliver us, and He will honor us. We are satisfied with long life. And victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I love benefits. 
Amen. And it's all comes from God. Hallelujah. I'm going to do this with a southern accent. <laughs> this was reported uh, of a preacher in Red Rock, Mississippi, and how he prayed. Oh Lord, give thy servant this morning the eyes of the eagle, the wisdom of the owl. Connect his soul with the gospel telephone in the central skies. Illuminate his brow with the sun of heaven. Possess his mind with love for the people. Turpentine his imagination. Grease his lips with possum oil. Loosen his tongue with the sledgehammer of thy power. Electrify his brain with the lightning of the word. Put petual motion on his arms. Fill him plumb full of the dynamite of thy glory. Anoint him all over with the kerosene oil of thy salvation and set him on fire. Amen. Now, I lived in Cleveland, Tennessee for a while, and I did pick up a little accent there while I was there. Hallelujah. All right, before we dismiss the kids this morning, I want you to turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. You know, I, I think in the Bible, Paul was from South Judea because they always said y'all. <laughs> First Chronicles chapter 29, and we're going to look at verses 20 to 22. And David said to all the congregation, say he's talking to me. Now bless the Lord your God, and all the congregation bless the Lord God of their fathers, and bow down their heads. And worship the Lord and the King. And they sacrificed sacrifices unto the Lord. You know, when you make a sacrifice to God, a, a sacrifice can be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You're not necessarily inclined to make the sacrifice, but you're willing to do it. They, they sacrificed sacrifices unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings unto the Lord. On the morrow, after that day, even a thousand bullocks, a thousand bulls, that's a lot of bull, a thousand rams, not from St. Louis, a thousand lambs, with their drink offerings and sacrifices, how? In abundance for all Israel. And did eat and drink before the Lord on that day with, how did they eat and drink? Did you know that an offering caused them to have great gladness? Yeah. Not only an offering, but a sacrificial offering. I mean, it, it takes some time to kill a bull and to put it on the fire, not a, let alone a thousand and a thousand.
lambs and a thousand lambs. That's a lot. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of effort. But that sacrifice caused them to have great gladness. And they made Solomon, the son of David, king the second time. And anointed him unto the Lord to be the chief governor and Zadok to be the priest. I say that to say this. When you give to BCF, amen, even when it's a sacrifice, even when the Lord says, put add a zero to it, amen, you're about to put some zero, but God says, add another zero to it. You're like, that's all I have. God says, I know how much you have. Amen. You can do it with great gladness. Why? Because you're giving it unto the king. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. It's going into his work. It's taking care of his mission. Amen. And you guys are great givers. Hallelujah. You're great givers. Father, I just give you thanks and praise that as your people give, some have already given, some are giving now, some will give. Lord, however it's convenient for them to give, Lord, I just thank you that your blessing, your empowerment, your prosperity, protection, and provision is on them in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. This Tuesday is youth, right, Air Force at 6.30 p.m. So all you young people, and uh, you can come for youth. And um, next Sunday... We're going to celebrate 18 years. Amen. It has been 18 years since God brought uh, Pastor Fiona and I to BCF. And we are just having the time of our life. Amen. Doing what God wants us to do, where God wants us to do it. And uh, so we're going to just celebrate 18 years of God's goodness. All right. That's uh, next Sunday. And then... Coming up at the end of October, everybody say end of October. Can I get a from the man? All right, we're going to have our Everyday Hero Men's Conference. And our theme is blessed, favored, and increased. So we're going to be so blessed that there's not even going to be a fee. Everybody say no fee. So if you have no excuses, then there's no reason to miss. Amen. And I'm just putting my faith out there, going to believe God to cover everything. And it's the last Friday and Saturday of October, and we're going to have a great time for all the men. So, men, you got some friends, you got some co-workers, you got some family members, you got some associates. Take some information and invite them to come. Yeah. Amen? amen. The men didn't say amen on that. Come on. Just kidding. Alright, kids life, kids living in faith every day. How many are excited about our kids? Yes. How many appreciate our teachers and our volunteers? Our kids, go and have a great class, be blessed, enjoy yourself. Amen. We like to cheer our kids as they go out just to communicate. That church was exciting. <laughs> there was one holiness preacher, and uh, he got really excited in his message, and he says, I'm going to take all the beer and throw it into the river. I'm going to take all the wine 
and throw it into the river. I'm going to take all the whiskey and throw it in the river. And then he says, now let's sing a song in the choir director smiled because they were about to say, let's go down to the river. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. Were you ready for the word this morning? You ready for the power of God this morning? Because it's all here. Hallelujah. Did you know that every day is a blessing for us. Because each and every day, there are opportunities. How many like opportunities? Every one of us have opportunities every day. And we can take those opportunities to either do what's right or to do what's wrong. Either to do good or to do evil. Right? But all of us face opportunities. Every time the Word of God is proclaimed, everyone who hears it has an opportunity to respond. I used to have an accounting teacher he said, I'm not giving you a test. You're like, oh, great. He said, oh, I'm giving you an opportunity. I'm like, oh, okay. And he, you know, we can either do what we want to do as the opportunity presents itself. So to this morning, I want to help you make the most of every opportunity. How many, how many want to make the most of every opportunity? And man, that's a few of you. Praise the Lord. Come on. You know, you guys got to participate now. One of my Bible teachers said, whether there's a hundred people or two old snaggletooth women and a brave mule in the barn, he said, I'm going to preach the same. <laughs> Amen. He was from that back of a, of a different era. So every time the Word of God is preached, taught, or proclaimed, We have an opportunity to grow in God. We have an opportunity to change our way. Right? Maybe to correct something that was wrong, but we didn't necessarily know it was wrong. And God's giving us an opportunity to make it right. Maybe to, we have an opportunity to get a problem solved. I can't tell you how many times people have said, you read my mail today. And I said, I'm not even a mailman. (laughs) No, it just means that while I was talking, God was talking to them. Amen. Did you know that while a preacher is talking, that sometimes the Holy Spirit will tell you things that relate to you that he's not even saying or she's not even saying? Amen. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. We can have an opportunity to learn truth. You know, because in learning truth, that's how we grow spiritually. We have to learn truth. God wants us to continually grow in knowledge. And every time the Word of God is ministered, we have an opportunity. It's presented to us. We have an opportunity to gain strength. How, how many has ever came weak but left strong? 
Right? Because you took the opportunity to receive God's strength. Or we have an opportunity to get heaven's perspective. How many know heaven thinks of things differently than the world thinks? And we, we need to get heaven's perspective. Besides, we're, we're only passing through this world. We're not here forever. We, we have citizenship in somewhere else. Or maybe we just have an opportunity to get to another level. A whole other level. Right? But we all, would you agree that we all have opportunities? And we are never forced to take an opportunity. An opportunity is simply a presentation of a choice or a decision that one makes. We have opportunities to resist the devil. Do you realize that the church on the earth now is keeping the Antichrist at bay? It's when the church is removed that the Antichrist takes over. We have opportunities to accept God's blessing. Did you know that God's got a blessing every time His Word goes forth? We have opportunity to rise up. This could be your moment. This could be your time to rise up and be what God wants you to be. Do what God wants you to do. Take that step of faith. It could be the time to rise up or it could be an opportunity to be still. Sometimes you've got to be still and know that God is God. We have opportunities to know when to move or when not to move. Right? I want you to go with me to the book of Galatians, chapter 6. Galatians, chapter 6. And we're going to read verse 10. I was actually kind of amazed at how much the New Testament uses the word opportunity. So, say, today, I'm going to make the most of the opportunity that I have. I'm going to receive all that God wants me to have. I'm going to possess His promises. And I'm going to grow in God. And I'm going to whoop the devil. Amen. Notice Galatians Chapter 6, verse 10. As we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. See, God gives people a moment. An occasion. He presents it to us, and it's up to us to respond to the presentation. You can either accept or reject an opportunity. And some opportunities only come by once. We don't always get the same opportunity every time. How many have ever experienced that? 
Shoulda, woulda, coulda. I bet the shoulda, woulda, coulda, I got the t-shirt. Right? We've all had opportunities that we've missed. But see, an opportunity needs to be discerned. Because it doesn't always say, oh, 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 I'm an opportunity, I'm an opportunity. It just simply shows up. And we have to decide what we're going to do in that moment. So you have to discern an opportunity. Notice, he said, as we have opportunity. Once you see the opportunity, then let us do good. Let us take the opportunity and do what we need to do in that opportunity. An opportunity is a moment. It's a window of time. It's, it's like harvest. You know, you don't harvest all year long. There is a time, there is a season where you must harvest, where you must bring in the crop. Otherwise, if you miss harvest, what happens to the crop? It dies. And then it can be too late, and then the crop will not be good. It will rot on the stalk. An opportunity needs to be recognized. It needs to be acknowledged. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 3, it says, Acknowledge God in all your ways, and He'll direct your paths. You've got to acknowledge that God is working. You've got to acknowledge that God is good. You've got to acknowledge Him so that He can direct you. Part of acknowledgement is recognition. That's why the Pharisees, they could not recognize Jesus as the opportunity to save the world. You know, a lot of the Pharisees were blind to the Savior that was right in front of them, that was speaking to them, that was performing miracles before them. They were blind that He was the Savior. And some of them missed their opportunity to accept Him as such. Thank God that God does give us a lot of opportunities to get saved. How about the thief on the cross? You talk about a moment. You talk about a time. He's hanging on the cross. His body was nailed to the cross. His body was breathed. He was about to breathe his last breath. What is he? He acknowledged Jesus as the Son of God. And, he, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He took his opportunity. And he did good. He seized the opportunity. There's about to be some seizures. Not physical seizures. But some seizures of opportunities. You've got to be willing to take a risk sometimes. Yeah. Well, isn't that the life of Christianity? God tells us to step out in what? Faith. Faith. That means we don't know what's going to happen next until we step. What did God tell Abraham? I want you to leave your country, your city, and your family. And I want you to go, okay, God, where am I going? You step and I'll show you. Stepping out into the unknown. Abraham took the opportunity. And what did he receive? He received blessing and blessing and riches and prosperity. He, be, he received a fatherhood that he didn't have before. Because he took that opportunity. See, it opened the door to other opportunities. See, behind every opportunity, there are other opportunities. 
Opportunities you like rabbits, they keep coming. Did you know that God has never missed an opportunity? God has never said, oops, I missed it. So, here's the thing. The closer you are to God, the more likely you are to make the most of every opportunity. If you're going to listen to someone who's never missed an opportunity, if you're going to have someone who's never missed an opportunity lead you, then you're more likely to take advantage of every opportunity. God's never missed an opportunity. God, when when God, God done the creation, He said, oops, I forgot this. Doesn't say that. Right? God has never missed anything. He's never missed an opportunity. So the closer we are to God, the closer our walk is with Him, the more sensitive we are to His voice, the more likely, the more successful we will be in taking advantage of opportunities. Can you say amen? amen? That's good right there. So as you follow Him and believe Him, you increase your chances of having a successful opportunity. To grow in Him, to understand Him, to worship Him, and to serve Him. Did you know that serving God opens the door for other opportunities? When we came to Pennsylvania, we came to help Fiona's father. He was living in Akron, pastoring in Modena, which is near Downingtown, and working a full-time job. So he worked 40 hours a week. They lived an hour away from the church. The quickest way to get to Modena was an hour. He worked 40 hours, would go every Sunday to lead the service, did that for 10 years. So we felt led to come here and to help him. Well, we came here and we helped him, but then he was talking about retirement. We'd be like, what? No, we didn't say that. And so he was going to retire, so then we started going to the worship center. Because he gave up the church in Modena. And it was at the worship center that we, we took an evaluation. We didn't have Gabriel. We didn't have Josiah. It was just the two of us. I mean, it was party time. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Come on, I mean, when you have no kids, I mean, there's some freedom there. Amen? I mean, we were free to go and do whatever we wanted to do. Right? And we're like, oh, kids will never change you. How stupid was that? <laughs> well, yeah, we, we said that. Then we realized how wrong we were. Because kids change everything. And we're glad that we have the boys that we do. I mean, our boys are awesome. So we evaluated our time. And we said, this is what the time that we have available. And this is the time that we could, between both of us, there were 60 hours a week where we could volunteer and serve. So we started to serve God. Little did, that, little did we know then that that opportunity 
would open up to something greater. Do you realize that if, I, if we hadn't served the worship center the way we did, we wouldn't have found out about this place in Palmyra? But because we were serving, we were actively following God, we were listening to His voice, we were walking closely with Him, and we saw the opportunity. Our opportunity was to serve. And so we took the opportunity, and we began to serve, and from there, God opened other doors. But if we hadn't served then, we wouldn't be here today. We didn't say, we didn't actually recognize, oh, this serving is is a stepping stone. No, we just saw it as an opportunity to serve. And so we served. We took that opportunity just to make ourselves available. We were small group leaders. It was so funny because we were part of a small group. And when they found out I graduated from Raymond, the, the leaders of the group were a little bit intimidated. You know, we're like, oh, just don't worry about it. We're just here. You know, just, and that put them at ease. Amen? So, God never forces you to take an opportunity. But He will lead you. He will guide you. He will direct you. He will present it. But, there are usually opportunities waiting for you in the course of life. They're there if you look for them. You know, sometimes if you're going through a jungle, you can't see the clearing that's 15 feet away. But once you chop through the weeds and the brush and all that, then you say, oh, the clearing is there. See? But if you wouldn't have taken the opportunity to chop through the weeds, you'd have missed the clearing. You miss what's ahead. So God never forces. Sometimes an opportunity is a revelation of God because you've been looking to Him for an answer. Amen? What happens when you seek God? You find Him. Well, I'm not finding Him. Have you been seeking Him? Well, maybe that's the issue. God, the Bible clearly says, if you'll find me if you seek me. And if you're, if, you're, if you're seeking, you will find Him. If you're not seeking, you won't. Amen? So what is an opportunity? It's a set of circumstances. This is Webster's Dictionary. It's a set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. It's an occasion. It's a moment. We're going to have a moment today. <laughs> it's a favorable time. It's a right set of circumstances. And do you realize, sometimes opportunities come when there's chaos. It's an opening, it's an option, it's a window. It's a situation that's favorable for attaining a goal. When you retire... You'll be glad you've invested before. Right? So if if you haven't retired yet, start putting some money away. Amen? So, let's go to the book of Esther, chapter 4. The book of Esther. We're going to talk about a few people. And then we're going to, I'm going to give you, there's, God gave me a scripture 
that clearly shows how we can take advantage of every opportunity. Esther chapter 4. Now, at this time, an orphan girl by the name of Hadassah lost her parents and was being raised by someone who wasn't even a relative, but he treated her like his own daughter. What was the calling of Mordecai? He was called to raise a queen. And so he gave her the name Esther, because they were living in Persia at the time. They were exiled from their country. And there was some chaos going on in the country. The queen didn't show up when the king called her. And so out went the queen. And now they were having an opportunity to uh, become the new queen. And through a series of events, Esther ended up becoming queen. God took an orphan girl with no family, raised by someone who's like an uncle, but treated her like her, his daughter, and she became queen. Can you do anything with God? She came out of obscurity onto the platform when God needed her to. But now, the Israelites had an enemy named Haman. He hated the Jews because one Jew, Mordecai, refused to bow every time Haman walked in. Everybody else would bow, but Mordecai would stand. And because he was a Jew, Haman hated all the Jews. You talk about racism. Going to hate a whole group of people because of one person? Racism is wrong in any way, shape, or form. God hates it, and so do I. Amen? That was a good good part for an amen right there. You missed an opportunity right there. No, just kidding. I'm having a good time. So, now, Mordecai got news of Haman's plan. And this is where we are. This is where we're going to pick up the story. Esther chapter 4. When Mordecai perceived all that was done... Mordecai rent his clothes. Didn't mean he put them up so someone could buy them. It means he tore them. Right? And he put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud voice a bitter cry. Thank God for expression. Amen? He was expressing the sadness over the decision to kill a people that was approved by the government. And, and came even before the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. So even though Mordecai, he was kind of in the upper echelon of the government, he couldn't enter the city gate because he was in sackcloth, because that was just a rule. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting and weeping and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it to her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved. And she, she sent clothing, a raiment, to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Mordecai said, it's my party and I'm going to cry if I want to. <laughs> Verse 5, Then Esther called for Hatak, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend upon her, and gave her gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was 
and why it was. So Hatakim went forth to Mordecai unto the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him, and unto the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. Also, he gave him a copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther, and to declare it unto her, and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him, and to make requests before him for her people. Nine, and Hatak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Again, Esther spoke unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whatsoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king unto the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live, but I have not been called to come into the king these thirty days. So Mordecai is asking Esther to take an opportunity and to go approach the king, but if you're not called and you come before the king, doesn't matter who you are. You won't. Right? Death. So this is the opportunity that is presented her. This is the opportunity that comes in the midst of trouble. The opportunity is a solution. The opportunity is an answer. The opportunity is a window of hope. Then Mordecai, verse 13, commanded to answer Esther, Think not with yourself that you shall escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if you altogether hold your peace, notice this phrase, at this time. Everybody say, at this time. You've got to be able to recognize the time. That's taking the most of the opportunity. Then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. Mordecai said, look, if you don't do this, God's going to provide uh, relief from somewhere else. That's faith. Mordecai had some faith. He's like, if you don't do it, after God's going to provide another way. That's a man of faith. Amen? Knowing that God's got a way. But you and your father's house shall be destroyed. And who knows whether you are come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Maybe this is the opportunity that God made you queen. Maybe this is why you are where you are. Maybe this is the set of circumstances that are conducive for you to exercise your authority. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai his answer, Go gather all together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast for me. Come on, let's come. She makes a call to prayer. She's calling the warriors, amen? It's time to fast. It's time to get serious with God. Fast for me and neither eat nor drink three days, neither day. I also 
and my maidens will fast likewise. If you're going to ask someone to do something, you'd be willing to do it too. And so will I go into the king, which is not according to the law. If I perish, I perish. What's a statement of taking an opportunity? See, tribulation, or Jack Hyle said this, tribulation, a tribulation gives you the opportunity to test the truth you have always believed. So here was Esther. Her, her, her family is in danger. Her countrymen are in danger. They're about to be wiped out. How many times has the devil tried to wipe out the Jews? And they're still here. So Esther had an opportunity to go before the king or to not go before the king and be silent. Every opportunity has a choice. Mordecai didn't force her to do it, but it was just presented to Esther. Esther was the only one who could do what needed to be done in this moment. Yes, God would have sent someone else, but God sent her. Amen? For, say, for such a time as this. So Esther took the opportunity. And we know the story. She went before the king. When she wasn't called, when he didn't ask, and what happened? He extended favor to her. See, she took a risk. She stepped out in faith, and she received favor. And she went before the king, and guess what? She ended up saving her people. Because she took the opportunity. She made the most of the opportunity. She didn't care if she perished in taking the opportunity. If I perish, I perish. What's the big deal? Everybody say, what's the big deal? Did you know that death for a Christian is promotion? Don't be afraid of death. The only way to live is to not be afraid of dying. Amen? If you really want to truly live, don't fear death. Death, where is thy sting? Esther did not care if she perished. She was willing to take the risk. It was a good opportunity. She recognized it. Fasting and praying, she got sensitive to God and what he wanted her to do. I'm sure that God spoke to her and said, now step out. Now step out. So she took the opportunity. Amen? Let's look at another one. Let's go to Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1. Hallelujah. Ruth chapter 1. Did you know that sometimes when you're in the midst of a tragedy, an opportunity will pop up? When you're in the midst of sorrow, when things aren't going right, an opportunity will present itself. And it will call upon you to make a choice, either to accept or reject, to do something or do nothing. Amen? We're making the most of opportunities, aren't we? So, there was, starting with verse 1, Ruth 1.1. 1, 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. But say a famine. Okay? And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. 
So famine is bad here, so he goes there, right? He takes an opportunity to better his family. And uh, the name of the man was Elimelech. Say that fast ten times. Someone ought to make a poem called The Limerick of Elimelech. <laughs> and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion. What are you doing? I'm just Chilion. I'm in a weird mood today. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem of Judah, and they came into the country of Moab, continuing there, and Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons, and they took them wives of women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, the second, and the name of the other was Ruth, and they dwelled there about ten years. So, ten years after Elimelech died, Naomi, who's a widow, there were her uh, two sons, they get married, they're in this place for ten years, and at ten years, both Malon and Chilion died. So now, you've got Naomi who lost her husband, you've got Ruth who lost a husband, you've got Orpah who lost a husband, you've got Naomi who lost two sons-in-laws, and a husband, right? Oh yeah, two sons, yes, thank you. She lost two sons, two, but she had two daughters-in-law. Alright? And uh, she's like, you know, I'm going to go back home. Because things aren't working here well for me. You know, sometimes when something isn't working well, it's good to change. Alright? And uh, so she, to make a long story short, she went to her uh, daughters-in-law and she said, why don't you girls go back home? You're young yet. You can find another man. I, I, I'm not going to be able to produce any sons for you. So, uh, you know, Orpah, she had the opportunity. She said, kissed her mother-in-law goodbye and left. But now, Ruth recognized an opportunity to get right with God. To make a choice to change her life and her heart. Okay? And, uh... So, in verse 16, after Naomi strongly encouraged... You know, sometimes an opportunity will be against advice. But you've got to be able to recognize it. Advice is telling you one thing, but you see an opportunity behind the advice. Alright? And she encouraged her daughters-in-law to go, to be with their people. Verse 16, and Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you, nor return from following after you. For where you go... I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and here it is, and your God shall be my God. So, for the time, for ten years, Ruth observed Naomi. She observed how she worshipped God. She observed how she honored God. She observed her lifestyle. And she wanted what Naomi had. And when she was given the opportunity to leave, she said, no, I'm taking the opportunity to stay. I'm going to follow you. Where you go, I go. Your God is my God. And where you live, I'm going to live. That opportunity opened up the door for Boaz. Had she not taken that opportunity, she would not have met Boaz, a kinsman redeemer, someone who could buy back the land that belonged to Chilion or belonged to Elimelech. Amen? 
That's what a kins, kinsman redeemer does. Someone in the family buys back the land and all this property so that they can carry on the family line. God's interested in your family line being carried on. And the opportunities that you accept or reject will determine what happens to your family line. Ruth made a choice. She took an opportunity. It was presented to her. No one else recognized it. Orpah didn't see it. Orpah said, I'm out of here. She said, this is the opportunity to go. Right? But Ruth, she made God her God in this moment. She made the best choice ever. She chose God. Amen? Amen. And we know the story, right? She took the opportunity. But it was in the midst of tragedy. Some of you might think, how can God make good out of this? Oh, friends, God can make good out of anything. He can make good out of this, that, or anything else. But you've got to look to Him. Amen? Hallelujah. Alright? Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. Is this helping anybody here today? Hallelujah. Elisha had an opportunity to change careers. He was plowing one day, and he was the twelfth yoke of oxen. There was twelve oxen plowing. He was the twelfth yoke. You know, in those days, if you had 12 oxen, you're doing pretty good as a farm. Yeah. Right? That, that means you're a pretty prosperous farm. That's like having a couple John Deere tractors or whatever. <laughs> right? And uh, he's plowing. He's getting the field ready to plant. And along comes the prophet Elijah. And while Elisha's plowing, Elijah gives him an opportunity and he throws his mantle on him. Everybody knew what that meant. See, certain people in the Bible had uniforms. If you were a beggar, you wore certain clothes. If you were a prophet, you had a certain clothes. If you were a rabbi, you had certain clothes. Right? Everybody had a uniform. Their clothes identified what they did or uh, what, what, what they were in life. And so, Elijah throws his mantle on Elisha. Now Elisha's got a choice. Are you going to continue plowing or are you going to prepare to preach? And he, he chose to prepare to preach. And he took the oxen, he killed them, he burnt the yoke, and he had a block party. And he made ox burgers for everybody in the village. Alright? And if, if he pretty much said, I'm not going to farm anymore. I mean, when you break the oxen, I mean, kill the oxen and... and Set the yoke on fire, you're pretty much done farming. <laughs> right? And he starts to follow Elijah. He carried his bags. He brought him water. He dealt with his complaining. Oh, you know, when Elijah had a pity party, when Jezebel sent the letter and said, I'm going to kill you, he ran the other direction, and God said, What are you doing here, buddy? Right? And so. After years of taking an opportunity 
to follow Elijah, to let Elijah be his mentor, and to serve Elijah, now he's about to experience his reward. And we get to the story here in 2 Kings 2. And uh, they went to four places. To Gilgal, Jericho, Bethel, and Jordan. And uh, let's start with verse 9. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I be taken away from you. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. This was the portion of a firstborn son. So Elisha saw Elijah kind of like a father figure. Okay? And verse 10, And you have asked a hard thing. But here's the thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from here, it shall be so, but if not, it shall not be so. Here the opportunity is very clear. If you want a double portion, you've got to see me when I go. If you don't see me when I go, so goes the double portion. So what are you going to do? You are not going to let that prophet out of your sight. And Elijah... He would go to this place and he'd say, Elisha, you stay here. And Elisha said, I am not leaving you. I'm going to see you when you go because I'm taking the opportunity to get my double portion. The qualification was he had to see him when he went. Okay? So, uh, so they went to these different places and uh, Verse 11, and it came to pass, as they still went on, we say they still went on. See, along that journey, there were opportunities to leave Elijah. There were opportunities to let him go on ahead, and you stay here. He even said, why don't you stay here? I'm going to go here, and you stay here. I'm not staying here, I'm going with you. Why? Because I don't know when it's coming, but I'm going to see it when it comes. Right? He determined that he was going to take the opportunity. He was going to make the most of this opportunity. He wanted the double portion. In order to get the double portion, you've got to see him when you go. Amen? So, finally the moment came. And it came to pass, they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Man, didn't even get to die. He, he got the best ride into heaven ever. Chariots of fire. He just got on the chariot and zoom, he went up. Right? And in verse 12, Elisha saw it. But in order for him to see it, he had to be in the right place at the right time. If he wasn't in the right place at the right time, if he didn't see it, he'd have missed it. And he cried, My father, my father. The chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof, and he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He was getting ready. He took off his clothes. He's about to get some new clothes. He's about to step into something new, something different. That that was the opportunity that was presented to him. 
How many know when you're ready to take an opportunity, you've got to get ready? This is the same thing that Bartimaeus did. When Jesus called him to himself, Bartimaeus was blind. He took off his old garment ready to receive something new, something different. Amen? Are you ready for the opportunity that you have today? Say, I'm ready. Are you ready? Say, amen. Amen. So, verse, he took his own clothes, rent them into verse 13. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. Do you realize it would have went to heaven if he didn't see it? Right. I just saw that right now. Say, opportunities are important. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted there and there, and Elisha went over on dry ground. So the same, and guess what? He did do uh, twice as many miracles as Elijah. He did get a double portion because he seized the opportunity. He made the most of his opportunity. Amen? Hallelujah. So, you know, we have opportunities to witness. And sometimes that's not always comfortable. God will, God will tell you, go talk to this person. You'd be like, I don't want to go talk to that person. But that's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for that person to receive life. It's an opportunity for you to obey God. Alright? He gives us opportunities to witness. He gives us opportunities. Have you ever heard of the phrase, redeeming the time for the days of... What does that mean? Making the most of every opportunity. Taking the moment. Acting in obedience. And you can't do it apart from the Holy Spirit. You've got to have a relationship with God. You've got to be listening to the Holy Spirit. You've got to know His voice. You've got to be walking with Him. You've got to be walking by faith. Otherwise, you can miss His instruction. Because the Holy Spirit will be saying, you better take this. You better take this call. You better, you better do this. You better take this moment. It's, it, i got something good for you, but you've got to take the moment. See, the good comes after you seize the opportunity. Not before. You've got to seize the opportunity. You've got to be a doer of the Word. Did you know that God has good works prepared beforehand for you that you should walk in them? What does that mean? God has created every one of us and He created you. There's good works here, good works here, good works here, good works here. But you've got to do them. And if you're not available for God, if you're, if you're, you can miss the good works that He has for you. And if you miss the good works, you miss the blessing that goes along with it. But we're going to make the most of every opportunity. Hallelujah. Does God give an opportunity for everybody to be saved? Whosoever believes in Him shall be saved. Everybody has an opportunity to accept Jesus or reject Him. Amen? And believe me, there's going to be people in hell that wish they would have taken the opportunity when it was presented to them. They were, listen, Did you know that in Hebrews, 
People who miss opportunities fall short of the grace of God. That's what the Bible says. Maybe I'll read it to you in a moment. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 6.3. He said, we give no opportunity for stumbling to anyone. That means he, 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 lived, he, he conducted his ministry with integrity. He did not give an opportunity to someone. I've heard stories of Billy Graham. When he would travel to a place and he'd be staying in a hotel, he would send a young man up to his room so that there'd be no uh, reproach on the ministry. Amen. He made sure that he crossed every T, dotted every I. He, he was a man of integrity. I also heard the story of when he told his secretary, he said, I'm not going to take any calls for the next hour. Please hold all my calls. Because he was spending time in prayer. And guess who called? The President of the United States. And the Secretary said, you might want to take this. So she said, Mr. Graham, the President's online. He said, tell him I'll call him back. I have, some, I have another important conversation that I'm in right now. Yeah. True story. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, sin is always ready to take the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me, i got to show you this one. Hallelujah. Mm. Galatians 5.13 says, You were called to be free, brothers. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Oh, that's an opportunity that we all face every day. Are you going to live by the Spirit or are you going to live by the flesh? Are you going to do what you feel or are you going to do what God said? Amen? How about Matthew 26, 16? What was, Ju- what was Judas waiting for? He was waiting for an opportunity, a good opportunity to betray Jesus. I'm going to find an opportunity where I can receive the less accusation against people. So what did he do? He did it in darkness. He waited for the right opportunity to betray Jesus. Ephesians 4.27 says, give no place to the devil. Other translations say, give no opportunity to the devil. Don't give the devil an opportunity. How do you give the devil an opportunity? You agree with the lies that he's spewing. Oh, Satan will, he'll give you an opportunity to gossip. Or to backbite. But you have a choice whether or not to participate with that. Just as much as God doesn't force you to do his will, Satan doesn't force you to do it either. He can't. Well, then how can, how can people do the will of Satan? They choose to. It's called deception. Satan. Puts sin in a can with a smiley face on it. He puts emoji of smiley face all over it. He, he packages sin in the prettiest package. It's going to make you feel good. It's going to increase your life. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. And when you do it, you realize it was false advertising.
Hallelujah. 1 Timothy 5, 14 and 15. 1 Timothy 5, 14 and 15. Therefore I want younger women to marry, have children, manage their households, and give the adversary no opportunity to accuse us. We're free from the accusations of the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony according to Revelation 12.10. But we're not going to give the opportunity. We're going to live in such, you know, the Bible says live above reproach. He said, let your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. You're supposed to live in such a way where no accusation can be pinned against you. Like him or not, love him or not, how many things have come against our president that have turned out to be not true? Why? Accusations of the enemy. You're going to have an opportunity in November to sow a seed called your vote. You've got to see your vote as a seed. And people need to cast their votes for righteousness. Not for abortion, not for darkness, not for lawlessness, but for righteousness. I just want to encourage you. Vote. Amen? I'm going to vote in person. I am. It's a privilege to vote. Amen? Not, not voting at all is giving the enemy a voice. If you don't vote, you lose all rights to complain about anything. That's all I'm going to say about that. Romans 7. 7 verse 7. What should we say then? Is the law sin? Absolutely not. On the contrary, I would have known sin, I would not have known sin if it weren't for the law. For example, I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, do not covet, and sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandments. You know, we can learn something from a predator in the wild. Any, any animal that is a predator relies on timing to get their prey to sustain their life. Right? right? I mean, lions. You ever see a lion? Yes. They're crouching down. They blend in with the grass. They see the herd, but they're looking for the right opportunity. Snakes. Hate them. But they're opportunists. Right? There is a timing. Why is it a serpent? Harmless as a dove. It's timing. The snake knows when to strike. It knows when to grab its prey. It's all about the timing. Now, are they successful at every opportunity? No, they miss some opportunity. But 95% of the time, they take advantage of the opportunity. There's a little rat. Got him. It's all the timing. Amen? Now, okay. I've given you lots of Things that the Bible talks about opportunity. How many want to know to take the most of the opportunity? How many want to really know how to take advantage of every opportunity? That's a few of you. (laughs) Y'all, y'all got to get this opportunity thing. Just kidding. Go to Second Peter chapter three. 
This is the key that God showed me. Second Peter chapter 3. It is the key to making the most of every, every, say every opportunity. How many would like to improve their chances of making a good decision when the opportunity presents itself? Amen? I don't want to miss out on what God has for me. And I know that you don't want to miss out on what God has for you either. That's why God led me to preach this this morning. 2 Peter chapter 3. Hallelujah. Uh, I thought my Bible was my iPad and I went to swipe it and it didn't work. <laughs> I'm like, it's not swipe, I'm like, that's an actual book. <laughs> okay. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 14. This passage is the power key. It's the whole enchilada. It's the everything pizza. It's the wings with the veggies and the sauce and everything. Verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, see that you look for such a... He's talking about the, the coming of the Lord. I want you to notice that phrase. Seeing that you look for such things. You've got to be looking for opportunities. Looking for opportunities is knowing how to wait and seize the opportunity when it comes because you're looking. Did you know part of the armor that we have is what? Readiness. Do you, did you bring your shoes of readiness on this morning? You're ready to do what God wants you to do. You're ready to seize the opportunity. You're ready to possess the promise. You're ready to receive what God has you to receive. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot. And blameless. You need patience, timing, and discernment to be able to seize every opportunity. Hallelujah. Other translations say, make every effort to be found at peace. What does it mean to have peace with God? It means to be in a relationship with Him. It means there's interaction. It means there's communication. It means you and him share things together. That's what it means to be in a relationship. You've got to be in a relationship to be at peace with him. People who are not in a relationship with God do not have peace with him. They don't even have a peace of him. Okay? So... Make every effort to be at peace with Him. To seize an opportunity, you must strive to be diligent, alert, and at peace with God, following Him, His plan, and His way of life. You will, you will miss an opportunity if you're doing your own thing. Yeah. If you're adding your own rules to the kingdom of God. Can't do that. The rules are the rules. Jesus said, I am the the way. If you want to go the right way, you've got to go Jesus' way. 
Alright? It's Jesus' way. Everybody say, it's Jesus' way. Jesus. Not my way. My way leads to death. His way leads to life. Which one do you want to be on? Okay? So, we're going to be diligent. He said, looking for such things, be diligent. You've got to exert some effort. You've got to be ready. When an opportunity comes, you've got to be ready to pounce. The other day I was, I was joking with one of our, our young people. Uh, they were standing here and, and I was going to come and like tackle them. And I said, if I'd have done that, you'd have been surprised. He said, well, yeah, I'd have been really surprised. That's not like you, but I was just playing around. <laughs> My point is you've got to be ready to pounce. Right? Say, I'm ready to pounce on the promise. You've got to be ready to move when God says move. You've got to be ready to step when God says step. You've got to be ready to reach when God says reach. You've got to be ready to praise when God says praise. You've got to be ready when God says now. Now is the time. If Israel would have been hanging out on the other side of the Jordan, they would have never gotten Jericho. But there was a time, there was a moment when they needed to cross, step into the Jordan and cross it over. And they couldn't cross until the, the priest carrying the ark dipped his toe into the water. The minute his toe hit the water, the waters parted and let the people go on drive up. There was a moment, there was a time, there was a window of opportunity. Ah, Alright, verse 15. And account or bear in mind that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. That's also known as patience. Okay? The long suffering of our Lord is, is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given him, uh, has written unto you. So, the pain, you've got to rely on God's wisdom, His spirit of wisdom, to make good choices. Paul had wisdom. Excuse me. Jesus is our wisdom. He gave us the spirit of wisdom, and His word is wisdom. Amen? Wisdom, what does wisdom do? It helps you make the right choice. God wants you to make the right choice. That's why He assigned to you an expert in wisdom. As your personal coach, as your personal mentor. He, he, he's not in some institution somewhere. He's in your heart. You can access the spirit of wisdom anytime you need to. He said, whenever you lack wisdom, what should you do? Let him ask of God. Whenever you come up with something that you don't know what to do, you can ask. And wisdom is right there. Can you say amen for that? Amen. Okay? Verse 16. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest or distort, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Alright? You need to be on your guard and let not be led away by the error of the lawless one. Verse 17, You therefore, beloved, seeing, know these things, therefore beware, lest you also be led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. So you regard the Lord's patience as an opportunity. 
You rely on his wisdom, his spirit, and you make good choices, and you've got to be on your guard. Everybody say, on your guard. Amen. Say, on guard. Amen. Not to be led away by the error of lawless people. How would a lawless person lead another person away? They'd say, come follow me. And you would be presented with an opportunity to follow people who aren't following God. Even Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Be careful who you're following. Be careful who you're listening to. If Listen, when, when you're in life and you have challenges, you're not going to succeed if you say, Pastor Doug says. I may have said it. It may have been true. But my word is not eternal. How do you know that what Pastor Doug said is in the Bible? Do you just take my word for it? Or do you search it out yourself? The Bereans. They were commended. Because... They would hear Paul preach, and they would actually search the scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. They just—they didn't take the word of Paul, who wrote half the New Testament. They made sure that what he was saying was in the Bible. You better make sure that what I'm saying is in the Bible. Don't just take my word for it. Amen? Amen. Every Christian should be a student. I let the pastor do my studying for me. You will fail. You will fail the exam if you let the pastor do the studying for you. Believe me, I study... Alright, let's move on. I'm almost done. Okay? So following the error of lawlessness will lead you astray and it will make you unstable. Verse 18, But grow in the grace, oh hallelujah, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. As you're growing in grace, you'll be equipped to seize every opportunity. You become closer to the Lord by spending time with Him in prayer, worship, study, meditation, study, meditation, church attendance, and fellowship. Amen? What? That's what they did in the book of Acts. They fellowshiped in doctrine. They had communion from house to house. They shared everything in common. Right? They, they, they had church every day. Every day. Every day. You guys get it once a week, twice a week, and you come on Wednesdays. They were doing it every day. Amen? In the early church. So, here's the thing. You've got to know how to wait. Because sometimes, taking the opportunity, you have to wait. But while you're waiting, you're ready to possess. You have to make every effort to be found at peace with God. Right? Make your calling and election sure without spot or blemish. Right? You need to regard, uh, uh, you need to rely on God's wisdom, His Spirit, and to make good choices. You need to be on your guard, not led away by the error of the lawless people. You need to grow in the grace and the knowledge. Did you know that grace is something you can grow in? Yeah. <clears throat> Paul told Timothy, he said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Are you strong in God's grace? God's grace is favor, right? Do you know what favor does? 
Favor brings opportunities to you that wouldn't have normally come to you. Favor, ever say favor. Amen. Jesus increased in favor with God and man and stature. Yeah. Right? So, you've got to become close to the Lord. That's the only way that you're going to seize every opportunity. Is to know Him. To know what He wants for you. See, when you have the standard of the Lord already in place, it's a lot easier to make the right choices. If you see that something's going to violate a standard that you have, that's a no. Check the no box. Right? Why? It violates a standard that I have. That makes choosing the opportunity easy. But God wants you to have the most of every opportunity. Austin Phelps said this, Vigilance in watching opportunity. Tact in daring in seizing upon opportunity. Force and persistence in crowding opportunity. To, to its utmost of possible achievement, there are the marital virtues which must command success. So what I've given you will help you seize and take advantage and make the most of every opportunity. That's why I give people an opportunity to respond, not just in the gospel in general, but to, let's say they need healing. Did you know that healing requires a response? How should I respond? Yes, Lord, that's for me. Did you know that God has a buffet line. I don't know if you're familiar, but in the South, they have this thing called the Piccadilly Cafe. I've been to maybe one or two different places. And it's basically, it's not quite like a buffet, but it's like a cafeteria, and they have a series of different things that you could choose from. It's kind of like a buffet line. See, you don't have to have everything on the buffet, but the buffet is a presentation of choices. And the Bible says that God sets a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He wants you more concerned about what he offers on the table than what your enemy is saying and what your enemy is doing. You've got to be focused on the benefits, the good things, the blessings, the rewards that God has put on his table and not be so concerned, not be captivated by the enemy or what he's doing or what he's saying. Do you know that when the enemy speaks to you, you can tell him to shut up in the name of Jesus? And he will not be able to speak another word. So you have come here today. You did not know that you would be presented with an opportunity. I knew it. God knew it. And you're here today, and you have an opportunity to come up higher, to receive healing, to have a problem corrected, it could be just to get light to have a burden removed because the yoke destroying burden removing power of God that's the anointing of God amen God just didn't bring you here 
just to hear, just for you to hear some words. But he's got some power behind those words. And he's here to cause you to experience the best from the opportunity that's presented to you this morning. Say, I am, I am making the most, making of, most of every opportunity. I make wise choices. Because I, I have the wisdom of God. I'm in tune with His voice. I'm doing His will. And I'm going to make the most of this opportunity right now. In the name of Jesus. Hey, Gabriel, you feel like playing? You were just been voluntold. That's, that's really a wrong way to ask that question. I should say, Gabriel, could you please play? It has nothing about feeling. <coughs> Excuse me. Wrong pipe. <coughs> Thank you. 